Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody? We are in the mood for fantasy football over here at Pro Football Network Weekly. I'm Cody Work, your host of the show, as always, as we continue on to hour two of our daily live coverage here at twitch.tv slash Network. In the first hour, if you missed it, you can go back, check it out later. I was joined by Adam Beasley and Dalton Miller as we were discussing the AFC, NFC wildcard playoff picture. We are also talking about which team could be one and done in the NFL playoffs. But now our focus shifts to the fantasy football side of things obviously many leagues have come and gone a lot of your leagues are over some of you won your fantasy football championships already some of you have lost in the first round like me don't be like me ladies and gentlemen but to break everything down i'm going to bring on our pro football network fantasy analyst tommy garrett welcome him into the show ladies and gentlemen tommy garrett my friend hey great to see you my man what a what a weekend the wild week 18 fantasy football season for the most part and what we use as our standard is over now we have a lot to look forward to as well from a dfs standpoint yeah, no kidding. It's it's interesting when it kind of changed. We have to kind of change our mindset at the same time. It's like we draft these guys, you know, months and months looking, okay, how are this going to project for an entire 18-week period? Now it's like it's just individual games. So it, it kind of changes how we look at things. Uh, I know for myself, it's when I kind of start looking at, okay, if I'm doing a full rest of playoffs, it's like you almost have to look at the bracket and you almost have to play a little bit of a guessing game on how do you think the playoffs are going to work out? Is, it go, is a team only going to get eliminated in the first round? Can it be someone like Tampa Bay where, you know, if they want to try to make it back to the Super Bowl, then boom, they have to win three games. Uh, so I think it's kind of interesting how it change our mindset a little bit. When you get into DF, it's a whole different world. So for you guys that haven't been, you know, too much in the uh, – in the DFS landscape. Hopefully this kind of help you guys out a little bit. Well, this is why we go to Tommy. Tommy's an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to fantasy football, fantasy sports in general, not to mention the betting side. Obviously, I loved his appearance on Moneyline and Wine a couple weeks ago with Jess Gonzalez and Chris Smith. And, you know, there could be something about that in the future, ladies and gentlemen. Ah. I don't want to tease and get the excitement going too much for you here on today's episode in the mood. Also, one thing we're going to talk about here today, we're going to go through, obviously, some fantasy sleepers, fantasy busts when it comes to DFS as it pertains to the NFL playoffs. But something to keep in mind, Tommy and I were also going to touch on some of the firings around the National football league from some head coaches we're gonna look at a couple teams that could be impacted at the quarterback position because of that we're gonna talk about it from a fantasy perspective you can get that a little bit later on here on today's show pro football network weekly in the move for fantasy football but let's start things off here tommy when we talk about sleepers and busts when it pertains to dfs nfl playoffs we have a lot of fun games on tap this weekend a lot of games i'm excited about i know you're excited about yep. non-stop coverage here pro football network Starting things off with the sleeper, let's talk about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo making his return last week in week 18 from the thumb injury and leading the team to a comeback victory against the L.A. Rams to get into the playoffs. Now they had a matchup against the Dallas Cowboys and Jimmy Garoppolo coming in at $5,300 here for DFS users on major sites. So, I mean, ideally, why Jimmy G? Why are you looking at him this week? 
I think one of the things I need to lay out a little caveat here, there are no sleepers, especially the quarterback position. Like we know who these teams are. We know who all these players are. So you almost have to play a little bit of roster construction. If I'm trying to save a little bit of money, if I can do it on quarterback position, it allows me to get some really interesting stack combinations. You've got like a Debo Samuel, a Brandon Ayuk, or a George Kittle. So it's more so the playmakers that Jimmy G is surrounded by that I think he can actually hit his return. If we're expecting like, you know, a three X return on him. He just needs to hit his season average of 17.2 points. Like he should be able to do that in this game. Granted, it is a little bit of a tougher matchup. We know what happens against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They've been fairly good this year. Look, and the, last week against the Los Angeles Rams, throws for 316 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, dealing with a thumb injury, we know that's probably going to affect him throughout these playoffs, but at least for one week, if he can get some of those manufactured short yarges uh, with guys like Brandon Ayuk, like we're talking about, especially Debo Samuel, who, they, who they've done a great job of kind of unlocking his skill set, whether it be as a quick or as a runner in intermediate, short to intermediate routes, where he kind of let, the, let his explosiveness and his athleticism really shine. That's why you've seen Jimmy G throw for over 290 yards in three of his last four games. Uh, so while the uh, the Dallas Cowboys are one of the more aggressive teams on defense, they also can be susceptible at times as well. In a game that I think should be a bit of a high-scoring game, looking exactly how the Dallas Cowboys just played their last game, I think Jimmy G at 5,300 makes a little bit of sense if you're trying to save a little money in the quarterback position and get a couple of those 49ers key players uh, inside your lineup as well. Well, sometimes if you're a brand new DFS user, right? And I think there's a lot of appealing promos out there that lead people to say, hey, I want to play it. Then they sign up Absolutely. and they're like, well, I've got this amount of money. How do I formulate the best lineup? It's not about getting the best players, it's about getting the smart lineup, as Tommy had alluded to. Yeah. So if you can get a quarterback like a Jimmy G at a really good price right here, you can maybe bring in a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end that can contribute maybe at a higher price as well. And you help balance maybe the offset there. There. And one thing I'll but make you also need to talk, you need to think about also projected roster ship because yeah. it's who's going to be the chalk plays. Like we know Ooh. who probably going to be the higher rostered players. So you need to try to create some variance if you're playing in a GPP where it's a massive tournament where you have like over a hundred thousand people in and some of those people, you know, they're max entering those players. They're playing over 300 lineups in a weekend. Like for myself, I don't have that kind of bankroll. So I can't afford to sit here and throw in 20 different lineups and just try to pick all these other different ones. If I only have one bull to try to hit that target, sometimes taking a riskier shot on a player who I don't expect to be as heavily owned in those in those lineups, sometimes it makes a little bit of sense. That's why Jimmy G, like I said, he's not the sexiest name out there. I believe during the last uh, when you guys were just on, it was Adam Beasley said he was, or it was it maybe him or Dalton. He's like the he's the third best. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, one of the worst quarterbacks in here aside from like Jalen Hurts and Ben Roethlisberger. So for fantasy, you don't love that, but if you're going to get someone that's going to be low uh, low roster percent percentage, I kind of like it. Yeah, I like the risk too, especially in the playoffs. Look, anything can happen. And we were talking about going back in hour one of Pro Football Network Weekly. We were talking about this 49ers matchup against yeah. this Dallas Cowboys defense. You know, the thing I'm looking at too, because we talk about Debo Samuel, one of the most elusive guys. He's used as a rusher, he's used as a receiver. And one of the other elements to it as well is that he's going to be used a lot on vertical crossing patterns when he's mm -hmm. lined up in the slaughter, if he's close to yeah. the line of scrimmage. That's where Micah Parsons, I think, can be the biggest difference in this game defensively because of how far back he can drive how athletic he is and just how I think quick at processing the field that Micah Parsons has shown this season that's going to be very intriguing as well but I also think it opens things up for more opportunities for uh, you know for Kittle at the tight end position not to mention they're going against a defense and a secondary that does give up explosive plays I mean we go to Trayvon Diggs phenomenal ball hawk production in terms of mm -hmm. interception totals but he gives up a lot of yardage he gave up over a thousand yards this season I like Jimmy G in this matchup. I really do, Tommy. Anything you want to add to that? I think you brought up a great point with Micah Parsons, and that's what we're going to have to be curious to see. Do they use him on Debo or like kind of over the middle trying to take away some of those intermediate crossers, or do they just kind of put him on, say, here's George Kittle. Take him out of this game. 
because we know how dangerous he can be. He's one of the most athletic tight ends that we have in the game right now. So I think it's going to be very interesting the guy they're putting out there. It's arguably the most versatile linebacker we've seen come out of the draft class in a very long time, whether it's coming off the edge, whether it's sitting there in coverage. The guy can do it all and has a closing speed to keep up with guys like Brandon Iger, Debo Samuel. So I think it's a mismatch problem, however they choose to use it. Kyle Shanahan, we know he loves to get these guys in space. He kind of has this this type of player he wants where he can get a short yardage guy and let them do the damage. Micah Parsons can take one of those options away on his own. So then it comes down, how do the rest of the uh, Dallas Cowboys defense deal with Ayuk or Debo Samuel? Uh, you want to see other guys step up too. And Ayuk, I was, I was mentioning in hour one, I was super happy that he got out of Kyle Shanahan's doghouse yes. at some point this season because he's going to be in line to make some big plays here in the playoffs. He can completely redeem and even increase his value. I think for fantasy managers going into the next season, not just from a DFS standpoint, but from your fantasy aspect here, if he has a big playoff run here and, and a good game against his Dallas Cowboys team, it's going to open the eyes up. I think of fantasy managers going into next year. I do like that here. There's a, a another matchup and obviously another player listed here in terms of your sleep. That's going to be Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back Leonard Fournette. Playoff Lenny. We're in that time now. Now, the bigger question is regarding his health. You know, obviously, as of the time of this, you know, I think he's still in the process of coming back from that ankle injury that did put him on IR. The expectation he should be ready to go against Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Philly as well, I mean, they're pretty tough against the run as well with the defensive interior that they have. Uh, So in your opinion, why uh, why Leonard Fournette here in DFS? I mean, you named it playoff Lenny or now I guess we've got to call him Lombardi Lenny because he did get that one last year. <laughs> um, Bruce Arians yesterday told reporters they are fully expecting Leonard Fournette back for this game. Uh, knowing that, I cannot help but be enthusiastic about what he's going to do to this team because we know the issues they're going to have a wide receiver. Mike Evans is going to get bracket coverage all the time and they have to deal with whoever they're going to have because you don't have Antonio Brown who's still doing whatever he's doing. I'm sure he'll release another rap album before this uh, podcast <laughs> is over. And then you have... Um, um, Chris Goblin, who's not going to be coming back anytime soon. So I think Leonard Fournette, but it's the addition that he's getting in the receiving game. I think that's one of the big things we have to look at because he's been phenomenal as a receiver, not just in Jacksonville, but now we're going to see that card start to take place uh, so far this season. Number eight in pricing. I think we're getting a little bit of an injury discount on this for a guy who scored double-digit fantasy points in 12 of 14 games, including six straight games. You brought up the, the Philadelphia Eagles defense. You talk about how strong how strong they are against the run. In fantasy, they're actually kind of gettable. Um, they're, they're 31st in points allowed to the running back position over their last four games. And you look at Fournette and what he's done in the playoffs. In the seven games, and this is including uh, time with Jacksonville, Three, 134 carries for over uh, almost 550 yards, seven touchdowns, 25 of 32 receiving for 192 yards and a touchdown. Last year uh, in his games, he averaged 16 carries for 75 yards with three touchdowns on the ground while averaging 5.2 targets, four and a half receptions, and another 37 yards in the air with another score. So it's for me, I love the receiving upside of what he brings and how valuable he's going to be to this Tampa Bay offense. For as good as Le'Veon Bell and Keyshawn Vaughn have been as a little bit of a spell kind of play, we know what this offense wants to do, and they want playoff Lenny in the backfield. I love him in this matchup for, like I said, getting that little bit of a price discount. Well, you know, when looking at this matchup, too, and how it impacts, I think, the value of what Leonard Fournette can do. I mean, when you look at all the options that Tom Brady has that are gone, like key contributors, which I yeah. still believe Chris Godwin was the motor, the engine of that offense in terms of their ability to move the ball downfield as quick and as as consistent as they were at the beginning of the season when he was healthy. I'm looking at Mike Evans, and look, he's going to draw the assignment of Darius Slay. Darius Slay has mm-hmm. been having a fantastic year for the Philadelphia yep. Eagles. This if he season. didn't play for Philadelphia, he would get so much more media coverage. 
he would. I mean, he could probably end up in Tampa Bay during the offseason. We could see that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised there. But, you know, I think it does open up opportunities. We talk about guys like Cyril Grayson Jr., obviously, who got banged up in week yep. 18. We talk about Scotty Miller. Uh, you know, this could be him for a playoff run there. But there's no reliable threat in the pass game, which really means that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense, they're going to have to rely on the run game here. And what better way to do it than in the playoffs with a healthy Leonard Fournette? I think that is going to be a key to watch here. But looking at the Philadelphia Eagles side of things as well, defensively, they're very stubborn against the run. So I, I'm really intrigued to see what the blocking scheme will be here for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line, how they you know plan to create opportunities. I can already see right now various swing routes on several passing sets here for Leonard Fournette or even the running backs that they have behind him. I know they've been dealing with injuries to almost every guy in the rotation, but yeah. – we talk about volume. I mean, we're gonna. I think we're gonna see Leonard Fournette catch around five passes in this game in his return. Not to mention having the load that he's gonna probably have on the ground. Yeah, and I think it's if you talk about the receivers. I think a name to keep an eye on, especially in your friend DFS, you want to put together a GPP lineup. Keep an eye on Brashad Perriman. Um, he's Tom Brady is likely gonna trust a veteran guy, especially with Cyril of uh, Cyril Grayson's injury does kind of linger into these playoffs. I think Brashad Perriman could a little bit of a sneakier name. I'd have to check where he's at right now, but I believe yeah he's at forty seven hundred. Uh, which is pretty cheap for a wide receiver who's getting targeted by Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time, especially in the playoffs. I know Brett Yaris is rolling his eyes over talking about Tom Brady right now, but look, he's going to get some targets. He probably could be the number two option on this team. If they do end up, like I say, tucking away, taking away Darius Slay, guys like Rob Gronkowski and Brashad Perriman could end up being pivotal plays in this first week of the playoffs. I mean, we saw Rob Gronkowski have a play of like 15-plus yards on back-to-back plays last week. We haven't seen that consistently enough this season. So look, hey, yeah. red zone Robbie G., I'm all for it as well, but playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, as Tommy has said, he's making his return this week against the Philadelphia Eagles in a battle between two of these NFC teams in wildcard round. Obviously, check out coverage here, profootballnetwork.com, as well for all the latest news and information. Now let's head to a wide receiver here that's pretty affordable. We're going to go with Cedric Wilson, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, listed at $4,400, and as we talked about, they're taking on a San Francisco 49ers team. Tommy, my biggest question as it pertains to the Dallas Cowboys in general, and, and regardless of when we're talking about a guy like Cedric Wilson, the yep. consistency of the offense in general. Now, obviously, with Michael Gallup's injury, that slides Cedric Wilson, who's been a role player for them all season long, into a more prominent role. But, I mean, what are our, what are our expectations for him, considering that we still have CeeDee Lamb and you also have Amari Cooper there as well? Not to mention... Dallas, yeah, you have a uh, Dalton Schultz. Schultz, yeah. yeah. Uh, last week we saw the ceiling. I mean, I think there's any way to expect we would see a type of performance again, six, uh, five or six or seven for 119 yards and two touchdowns against the Eagles. So I think that is well, that's the ceiling of what he can do because he didn't do anything really near that when he was already filling up for Michael Gallup early in the season. Uh, it's kind of why he was a shaky start, but we ended up talking about him last week and ended up coming out correct. I think the move for Cedric Wilson is if you're going for a variance play, if you're going for a pivot, um, where if you're trying to pull off a Dak Prescott, sorry, like we kind of talked about, where if you're putting out multiple lineups. Um, I think Cedric Wilson, if you're trying to do a pivot play off of the CD Lambs and the Mari Coopers, who both have their own shares of inconsistencies because the Dallas Cowboys offense has not looked the, the explosive team we has always expected. Like, well, the team that we just saw last week, that's the offense we know the Dallas Cowboys can be. They're firing on all cylinders. All three of those wide receivers plus Dalton Schultz are all going to have uh, some good run in these games. So I think if you're going to go with Cedric Wilson, it's more so because you're trying to do a Dak Prescott play and expect him to have a good game in this one, but not wanting to go with a Amari Cooper or C.D. Lamb. Go with Cedric Wilson and hope he can do something like this where he's going to get utilized as a deep target, can maybe break something loose with a little bit of a speed. Like I said, even if he gets anywhere within close to uh, bringing back a decent return, you're going to have a massive upside play because at that point, not a lot of people are probably going to be playing Cedric Wilson. So he's a good, uh, he's a good uh, price savings. 
Well, I also think one element to look at as well, in the San Francisco 49ers defense, I, I feel like they have moments where they flash and they showcase, they like, hey, you know what, they're really good. I think their biggest question mark so far this season has really been in their secondary. I mean, they yep. have talent. They have a lot of young guys right now that are in the rotation. They have some rookies stepping up and playing. But I think the bigger thing that stands out to me about this 49ers defense, they do make plays when you need them to. However, yep. They have a hard time consistently playing the ball when it's in the air, and they get flagged yep. a lot for pass interference. How might this amplify opportunities? Let's say if there's a downfield throw to you know either of the wide receivers, but then you get into the red zone. Let's say if it's a downfield play, you get a little bit closer there. How do you like those odds there a little bit for Cedric Wilson, especially once the Cowboys get into the red zone? If you know a team has a propensity to give up DPIs, then I think Dak Prescott's going to be more willing to take some chances and trust his receivers. Because you have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are two of the best receivers at the point of the catch, especially CeeDee Lamb. Like, very few receivers have the body control or the contested catch ability of CeeDee Lamb. Um, so if you know you can take a couple extra shots with a defense who's willing to get up some penalties, that's going to put you in some very advantageous situations. Now, like you talked about, the San Francisco 49ers, they are sometimes beatable against the receivers. This season, just in fantasy, they're 23rd against the position, allowing over th uh, 35 and a half fancy points per game to the combination that's not even playing teams of the type of caliber of the passing offense that the Dallas Cowboys have so once you get in the red zone I would expect guys like Amari Cooper and even Dalton Schultz take a little bit more of the uh, target share in the red zone that's kind of what they've got their MO has been so I think if you're looking for Wilson you're hoping for that deeper shot when Dak Prescott's hopefully trying to draw like a DPI or if they get like a uh, if someone's trying to get aggressive off the edge we got a free play he's going to throw it up there and take a shot because he's a smart quarterback use that hard count use the hard snap try to draw someone off take a deep shot to Cedric Wilson and really set the tone early in this game for him We'll see if Cedric Wilson can have the big-time performance. That look, in primetime moments, playoff moments, this is where we see some of these rising stars come into action. And for Cedric Wilson, a lot of talent that is there for him. So we're keeping an eye on that. And you can get him for $4,400 at a lot of the DFS sites there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now let's go to the tight end position here and obviously taking a look at Dallas Goddard, somebody I was trying to allude to a little bit earlier when talking about uh, the, the Cowboys tight end. I got him cross-mixed there between he and Dalton Schultz, but Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles coming in at 4,500. They're taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This one I, I think is an interesting one considering the Eagles. You know, are we going to get a consistent passing performance from Jalen Hurts? I think that's always one of the yep. bigger questions here. But for Goddard, he has primarily been one of those key guys that Jalen Hurts does target. So it does make sense. But they're taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Mm -hmm. Why is this an appealing move here for DFS users? I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we don't have a lot of trust in the receiving game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, outside of Devonta Smith, who is, uh, he's just being overshadowed by what Jamar Chase did. Because outside of that, Devonta Smith, when it comes to his separation, his route running ability, he is one of the most polished receivers we've come out in a very long time. And he won the Heisman Trophy for a very good reason because of that. Uh, but the upside, uh, I'm sorry, the passing game has barely has struggled this year under Jalen Hurts, who is, for all intents and purposes, has been a rookie season for him. Um, he's shown flashes. I think, believe he has a number one amount of rushing yards and touchdowns in the NFL for the quarterback position. But when it terms of the pass catchers, it's always going to come as a little bit of a detriment. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles did activate uh, Dallas Goddard off of the uh, reserve COVID-19 list, although he missed last week. But if we look at his last four games, Goddard's averaged 5.3 uh, receptions on six and a half targets for 84 and a half yards uh, per game while scoring two touchdowns. 
where he's really emerged is after the trade, when they traded away Zachert to the Arizona Cardinals, they really kind of freed him up to be a major contributor in this passing game. Since week seven, when they traded him away, he's seen 25.6% of the targets and 24.5% of the Philadelphia Eagles air yards. That's a massive share for a tight end who they can know they can either get him working down in space or try to take advantage of a matchup in the secondary. Dallas Goddard is fantastic. Also finding the soft spots in his zone. He knows when he can sit down and when he can try to move and not put Jalen Hurts and try to condense those windows on Jalen Hurts. So I kind of like where Dallas Goddard is and that kind of chemistry that they have. Uh, Devonta Smith would be the number one receiver of this team, but I think Dallas Goddard probably ends up this game. He could end up with probably the most receiving yards. I think it's a one-and-done game for the, for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're going to go out firing in this one, so I think if you're going to play Dallas Goddard, this is going to be the only week you can do it, especially if you are playing in something outside of like DFS. You're playing like a full uh, fantasy playoff season. If you draft him, you got him for one good week, but they're going to need to make a move probably later on down the road because I don't think they're coming out of this game. It'll be interesting to monitor because my voice doppelganger, Adam Schefter, just reported of ESPN that Richard Sherman, Bucks cornerback, was placed on injured reserve. So they lose one of those coverage options there in the secondary. Their coverage, I mean, their secondary has been spotty enough as is. We talk about it Antoine has. Winfield Jr. I mean, he's been a bright spot. Love seeing that, but they've given up a lot of chunk plays. And when I look at Dallas Goddard, I can see the opportunities for him, especially in the red zone. If in fact, you can get Jalen Hurts to play his best football and lock yep. in on a guy like Goddard. I think it makes sense. And to go back to your point on Zach Hurts as well, very talented. Love what we're seeing from him in Arizona right now. He more than likely will come in at a higher price than Goddard. But also, I just want to make note of the situation. When you look at these two guys, it's hard for those two guys to kind of coexist in the same exact team, same yes. exact scheme there. So, you know, glad the Eagles did right by him sending him to Arizona. And now we're seeing a lot of Dallas Goddard, which has been now, a granted, that was there. even with the Philadelphia Eagles team that was running some of the most two tight end sets in the NFL. Like there's only so many targets to go around when both these guys are working the same area of the field and running the same route combinations. Like someone's going to lose their snap carries. And for a long time, it was Zach Ertz who was taking the hit on Dallas Goddard once he started to emerge. But like you're talking about with Zach Ertz, he's kind of back to the highest value we've seen since the emergence of Dallas Goddard. Uh, if you want to throw like a, a cheap little stack is this one. We have Dallas Goddard. We talked about uh, he is at uh, what is that like 4,500 Jalen Hurts is at 6,100. So you for just over $10,000. So that's about 20% of your salary. You can already have your quarterback and your wife and your uh, uh, tight end together in your stack and then start building off players however you want to go. So I think that's a really interesting combination. Well, not to mention with Jalen Hurts ability to run and pass and the way that that's he's utilizing that offense. Yep. I think another thing to maybe look at here as it pertains to Dallas Goddard, you know, Levante David is out for the entire season here for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. When we go back to last year's Super Bowl when they took on the Kansas City Chiefs going against Travis Kelsey, he mm -hmm. and Devin White were great neutralizers of the impact that Travis Kelsey could have on a game. Now, Devin White is still there. However, Levante David is a big loss. So I, I, I'm with you, Tommy. I would actually take my chances with Dallas Goddard this week in DFS lineups. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before we transition to some of the bus conversations here about some players with maybe not some ideal matchups, especially for the prices that they are at, we're going to tell you guys a little bit about our friends over there at First Leaf. And ladies and gentlemen, you can go to tryfirstleaf.com slash pro football and you can get six bottles of wine for $29.95 plus free shipping. We love wine. We love free shipping. And if you can get six bottles for $29.95 by just going to tryfirstleaf.com slash pro football. And if you can use promo code PFN, guess what? That is a great deal. Take it. Go check it out today, ladies and gentlemen. A major shout out to our friends over there at First Leaf Wine Club for that. Uh, you know, outside of that, Tommy, let's get into our bus conversation here in the DFS conversation as we take a look at New England Patriots quarterback Mac Jones taking on the Buffalo Bills coming in at $5,100 on DFS sites. Now, in your opinion, uh, why are you why are you so skeptical about Mac Jones this week? Because I'm very skeptical as well. I want to see if our reasons align. 
a big for me. It's, it's going to come part of it's going to come down to the matchup. We know how tough the Buffalo Bills are. I mean, another it is too. Like this is still a rookie quarterback. As much as we've kind of forgotten how Mac Jones, for as well as he has played, he's looked like the best rookie out of this entire class. Like in terms of quarterback position, because I mean, Trevor Lawrence struggled with all the issues going out with Urban Meyer down there in Jacksonville. Justin Fields didn't get a lot of run in Chicago. Trey Lance was hidden behind Jimmy Garoppolo all year, although we saw some flashes. And then Zach Wilson was just kind of inconsistent, also still some injuries. So I think Mac Jones, he's looked always kind of more of a more polished. Uh, passer right now he looks like a guy who's been in the nfl for a couple years but from a fantasy standpoint we kind of haven't seen too much of that he's averaged 14 points point 14 uh, points per game this season while finishing as a qb 18 in fantasy football just under 4,000 passing yards 22 to 13 touchdown interception ratio and nearly a 68 a, percent a completion percentage but the issue is there is zero rushing upside um, we knew that coming into, we knew there was no rushing upside coming out, uh, coming out of Alabama. The last time these, these two teams played, and I am completely forgetting about the tornado they played in. All that did was just screw up the stats uh, and the average for all these teams. The last time these teams matched up, 145 yards, two interceptions, and 7.1 fancy points. Not great. Look, Micah High and Poyer and those guys, they're going to be juiced up for this game. It's going to be in Buffalo. They are trying to take make sure they retain the crown that is the AFC East. This is the first time the New England Patriots, they're going to substitute into the playoffs without someone with quarter with uh, playoff experience on their team. So I think that's going to play a big role. We're kind of looking at these narratives a little bit more. As much as I like Mac Jones as a quarterback, I don't think he's that great of a fantasy option this week against the Buffalo Bills. I think it makes sense, too. You know, even though the loss of Tredavious White for this Buffalo Bills team early on in the season to an ACL, a lot of people thought like, okay, hey, look, that's it. They're going to get, you know, their defense is adjusted and their secondaries played well. I think we're going to see the Buffalo Bills take a little bit of a transcript out of what we saw last week against the Miami Dolphins, where Mac Jones struggled here once again in a week, a week 18 regular season finale on the road at Miami, just a Patriots house of horrors there. But for Mac Jones, the trend we've noticed, if they fall behind by 10 points, a two score game, Mm -hmm. or even a touchdown, you don't have a lot of confidence in their ability to come back and get things going. I think that's something that really concerns me, especially in this matchup. I think we're going to see a lot of pressure by the Bills defense, and we're going to see tight underneath coverage by the corners, and then you have those two guys that you mentioned at the safety position lurking over the top. This is not ideal for Mac Jones, and not to mention, you know, Tommy, the weather is supposed to be at least six degrees of kickoff with 15 to 25 mile-an-hour winds. So negative, you're going to have that negative wind chill factor. I I don't think it's ideal, and ironically enough, our photo is kind of wet and cold conditions for Mac Jones as is. So I do agree with you. I think this would be You brought up a great point also about Tredavious White. The thing is, the New England Patriots don't have, like, a traditional X receiver. They don't have a number one option. So, like, you would be concerned if someone had, like, say they're going to be against like the Minnesota Vikings, just for just throwing a team out there. You have Justin Jefferson. You know where he is going to go and who he's going to cover. The New England Patriots, they spent all this money, but they didn't necessarily get an alpha in the room. Uh, Jacoby Myers has been good. Uh, Kendrick Bourne has been solid as well. They spent a lot of money on guys like Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, who is the most expensive blocking tight end in NFL history, apparently, if you look at the way they're using him. This is a team that's really based on the run. So I think the loss for Davius White, given the way that the New England Patriots are set up as an offense, I think it's muted a little bit just from their lack of a true alpha receiver. And that's a, that's a tough thing to do. Is this going to be where we see Bourne go off in the playoffs? Mac Jones, I mean, look, I, I think that the options that he has, it's limited, but you have to find a way. Look, Josh McDaniel is a brilliant offensive mind. Now, yep. regardless of the stuff that he's pulled in the past with the Denver Broncos, going through, obviously, his time with the Rams, and then you go to what he did to the Indianapolis Colts. say the courtship with the Indianapolis Colts. And now he might be in the running a little bit, maybe for Houston, if they decide to move on from David Coley as our pro football network, NFL insider, Tony Pauline had reported that could be something and Nick Casario could be looking at. I just look at Mac Jones and the situation for new England, 
not ideal against Buffalo. Maybe if it's against a team like Pittsburgh, I would be I'd be okay with saying, hey, you know, I might have a little more confidence in him challenging it. I just don't see it so far. But speaking of, you know, teams that, you know, maybe just leaked into the playoffs and obviously a Sunday night football thriller between the Chargers and the Raiders. The Raiders now playoff bound after kicking a game winning field goal against the Chargers. One of the busts that you have listed here is Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders, 6,500 against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I agree with you here because what we've seen from Cincinnati, their defense, they're very, very stout, one of the top units in the NFL against the run. And Josh Jacobs, look, the last couple weeks he's gotten in rhythm. He's broken off some chunk plays, but this is going to be a different test than than when he played the Broncos, when he played the Chargers. This is a much better defense. No, I completely agree. I think a lot of this comes down to game script for me as well. If the uh, Las Vegas Raiders are able to keep this game close, then Josh Jacobs will always stay a part of this offense. We know how critical he is. Although they got back Darren Waller, you get back you um you have Hunter Renfro on the team. Like the running game will always be important to this team. And it's the big thing about Josh Jacobs this year is he has finally received the receiving volume that people have always wanted to see. Uh, since week nine, he's averaging just under five uh, five targets per game, four receptions, and twenty three point eight yards as a receiver. His forty eight targets over that time frame are number two in the NFL, only behind Austin Eckler. He's also getting the volume, three straight games of 20-plus touches. But I think we're going to see a little bit of a shift in this one, especially if they are falling behind to the Cincinnati Bengals in this very explosive offense. Um, it's one of the reasons I didn't mention already, like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Like I think those are more of the obvious plays in this game, and I think oh, they're yeah. the ones that have success. And it's going to come to the detriment of the, the running game for the Las Vegas Raiders. Look, last week, although he didn't put much in the stat column, Jalen Richard also had just as many targets as Josh Jacobs with two of them, and, he's, and he ran 17 routes. Like if they get into more of like their third down package where they really need to work on the passing game, run some tempo to try to keep up with Joe Burrow and this team, I think that might come at the detriment of Josh Jacobs. He will always be a threat um, inside the red zone. Try to punch in that touchdown. But I think you also the return of, like I said, with Darren Waller, what he brings in the red zone with his size and the mismatch capability. And then Hunter Renro's incredible route running. I think that will also be a little bit of a detriment to Josh Jacobs for as good as, like I said, he has played. I feel like him being the third highest price running back on the slate that's a little bit too rich of a price for me. No, I'm with you there, and I, I think that is the concern, right? You, you talk about a guy who who does really good at one thing, right? Consistently enough as yeah. a runner, Jalen Richard getting involved as a pass catching option there, and also it, it does depend too. And look, and this is why we come to Tommy for fantasy analysts because it's more than just production and numbers; it's about utilization, how often they're used on the other side of the fifty. I mean, that's another thing that people look at in the fantasy world there, as we've talked about, you know, countless times with the Buffalo Bills with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary over time. Yeah. Something to keep an eye on here in this matchup here against a very stout Cincinnati Bengals rushing defense. And like I said, in a very explosive offense, this is going to be one of those trick games where I really don't know how it's going to go, Tommy. But ideally, I think Cincinnati will win. But then again, that's what I have. I have Cincinnati moving on and then facing Tennessee in this game. Uh, Like for me, when I talk about when I was doing my my rankings for the week, like I went through and kind of played out the bracket. Um, So you have to see, okay, teams that are only going to play one game project guys are projected to play two games and you have teams like for me the buffalo bills and tampa Bay buccaneers who i projected to play three games so when i do my normal fantasy rankings for the for the entire playoffs that's why you see guys like mike evans and devin singletary ranked a little bit higher because i'm expecting more volume from these guys where it's like someone like josh jacobs where he is a great running back there's no question about it since since him coming out of alabama he's been a massive volume that's why we were so disappointed when someone like you know kendrick king and drake was signed because all of a sudden that volume and that floor was taken away from josh jacobs so to see him playing really well here recently a great sign it's gonna be a good stepping stone moving forward into 2022 but i think the playoffs are going to kind of come to a little bit of a short end for him this week 
Well, now we're going to take a look at Chase Claypool, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, coming in at $4,800 here. In terms of our bus category here, you know, looking at Chase Claypool here, Tommy, you know, my thoughts, they're taking on a Kansas City Chiefs team that their defense has improved throughout the last couple of weeks. However, I always like to look back at the more recent week and ponder what if. Now, if this was an offense led by the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'd say had more solidarity at quarterback. Look, Ben Roethlisberger, as much as we yeah. love his swan song and him winning back-to-back games to get to the playoffs, this is a tough matchup to have to rely on Big Ben to make plays. So it's going to be very hard to rely on Chase Claypool. Now, in this instance, they're taking on a Kansas City Chiefs secondary that has tightened up over the season. And they're coming off of a game, though, defensively where – they gave up some yardage to Tim Patrick and Drew Locke of the Denver yeah. Broncos here. So, I mean, how do you see this one playing out? I mean, I feel like Chase Claypool, it's risk or reward outside of his immaturity stuff that we see maybe impact some of his stuff on the field. He has had moments where he's dropped the ball in critical situations. So I, I don't know how to feel about this one. I, I, I'm with you, but there's also that high upside that he could potentially offer. Yep, there is absolutely the high upside. And I think it's going to come kind of fall into the same thing we talked about with Cedric Wilson. If you're wanting to put together a lineup, go for a little bit of variance. Throwing in Chase Claypool makes some sense. The issue for me, like you talked about, the difference I think with Drew Locke versus Ben Roethlisberger is while Ben has the age and he has the um, the history in the NFL where Drew Locke doesn't necessarily have that anymore, Drew Locke has a cannon. Ben doesn't have that anymore. And I think the offensive play calling the scheme right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers is coming at more of a detriment to Chase Claypool than anything because look guys like Pat Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson. The reason they're so heavily targeted, even like Najee Harris, they're working close to the line of scrimmage. And Chase Claypool, for as good of a an explosive threat he is, he doesn't have the route tree right now to work those short to intermediate routes. He's very much a nine guy. He can run like the deep crossers or they're trying to manufacture touches on like a little bubble screen. Let him use that speed that he flashed when he was at the combine. Like Ben Rossberg right now, he's leading the NFL in time to throw at 2.38 uh, seconds per pass. And he's also second uh, second lowest in intended air yards per throw at eight point, uh, sorry, 6.7 yards. He is only a, a tenth of a yard ahead of Jared Goff. Uh, so for a team to make the playoffs with a quarterback who is getting rid of the ball really quickly and not very far down the field, it's kind of a testament to how closely the Pittsburgh Steelers sneaked in. And it's taken a massive effect on Chase Claypool. Last week, his 18.1 points when he did have a very good game, 5 of 7 receiving for 37 yards and a touchdown. That was, the, that was his second highest scoring output since week five, and that was also the first time he had been in the end zone since that exact same week. He only has four games as a top 24 receiver on the season. Last, uh, last time they played against Kansas City Chiefs, 41 uh, yards on four receptions. I think they're probably going to keep him contained again in this one. They're going to get up big. You're looking for guys that are going to be the high-volume players in this one. Chase Claypool, to me, just he's a variance play. He's going to be a guy you're trying to throw in someone different if you're not trying to play a Deontay Johnson. Hope he breaks a big play. But in terms of like trusting this guy, he's as boom bust as it gets. And hopefully, you know, maybe next year with a different quarterback, whether it's a veteran, whether they go with a rookie, like can you pick him at Corral? Who knows? Then Claypool can get back. But he's been honestly one of the biggest disappointments of this season for a guy who led all rookies last year with 11 touchdowns to only have two in his follow up season. It's a bit of a downturn. Uh, you mentioned that week five game that was against the Denver Broncos where Von Miller was one-on-one -on -one in the slot with Chase Claypool and not ideal there in terms of That's that. That's not a good matchup. No, no. But if you're Big Ben, you know, Bre Brett Yaris in the chat here at uh, twitch.tv slash Pro Football Network says, find Daniel Sorensen. Well, it, it'll be very hard. He'll more than likely be covering a tight end, which, look, I, I would love to see more Pat Fryer move in this game. You know, I think that Big Ben has him to rely on. I think if you look at any receiver as of late, that in my opinion, and this is just me catching the last couple of Steelers games, 
is going to be Ray Ray McLeod probably is the one guy I would yeah. trust to find Ben Roethlisberger more so than Deontay Johnson because there was a time where Deontay Johnson was a third down. Ben targeted him, a drop. And then here comes Ray Ray McLeod to save the day on fourth down. I, exactly. As like we talked about last year, like Deontay Johnson, the storyline of Deontay Johnson was his drops. We saw him get benched in a game for those drops. Like, I don't care about them as much. I think coming into this game, he was only recorded with like, I think two drops on the season, which personally, I think that was really generous. I swear. I thought I saw more than that. Um, but like you're talking about with Ray Ray McLeod, like you can't help but watch Ray Ray McLeod and not wonder what kind of season could Juju Smith Schuster have had because yeah. they really didn't change up stylistically what he is doing compared to what Ray Ray McLeod is doing. So I think you couldn't have, you can't help but wonder what this offense could have been if they would have had a healthy Juju and say, instead of Ray Ray McLeod. But look, hats off to him because he's done a phenomenal job filling in and as that number three receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers on this offense. Avoid Chase Claypool and DFS this week, ladies and gentlemen, coming from Tommy Garrett. Now our final guy here and talk about the tight end position. Dawson Knox, Buffalo Bills tight end coming in at $4,800, taking on the New England Patriots. Now, the appeal about this, look, we talked about the Patriots defense. They've struggled against the run, but they've been pretty stout against the pass yeah. so far this season. Is this one of the more strong considerations that you have here, or is it just because of the fact that you don't expect maybe Josh Allen and them to throw it as much? Which, look, I mean, in the tornado blizzard that we saw, they were still throwing the ball. So then again, I, yes. I wouldn't even know why I'm questioning right now why Josh Allen would not throw the ball, but why, why should people avoid Dawson Knox this week? A big thing, and I'm, I'm sure, like, I know, I think you've seen, I think a couple of people have, and I'll come out every week and do a weather article that I'll publish on a Sunday morning. It's one of the things I say in that is, like, the weather doesn't doesn't always change a team's intent. Like, teams kind of are who they are. The Buffalo Bills are kind of are, they are who they are at this point. They went from one of the most run-heavy teams, then flipped the script on that last year, and went super pass-heavy, super aggressive. Like, even in wins, like, they are still going to do the same thing because Josh Allen has the arm and has the ball placement to be able to throw through that win and cut through it where someone like Mac Jones didn't have to. Like that was the one time where like New England completely changed who they were. Like I think Mac Jones had what three, uh, three uh, passes on that game. So I think for this one, it's kind of more the, the Patriots defense, like they're number one against a tight end. And I think Dawson Knox also, he struggled since he came back since his hand injury in the first five games of the season, he had five touchdowns since week 10. He only has just three and he scored. He's had over a uh, six, yards in only two games like since he came back 3.1 receptions on just under five targets for 33 yards so unless you're banking on him finding the end zone Dawson Knox's floor is a little bit lower than we all think and I think the touchdowns have kind of boosted his fantasy appeal to a lot of people knowing how the uh, New England Patriots want to scheme the players we haven't really seen Dawson Knox do too much like last week he played against him like I'm sorry not last week but the last game he played against him he had two receptions in 11 yards and it was the touchdown that saved him so unless he gets that, which I don't think he will, I think they're probably going to lean more towards like your Devin Singletary's, your um, uh, Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley's. They have so many other weapons where I think Dawson Mox might struggle in this one, even though he has been one of the more fancy standout players of the tight end position this year. That's always a tough dilemma to have, especially with tight end. And we've talked about it on the show here this year, Tommy. Tight end has been very odd here outside of Absolutely. normals. Even for Travis Kelsey, for one point of the season, he was not producing the way that people had expected. And he's one of well, the, for first the first time in six drafts. years, Travis Kelsey will not finish as the tight end one. See, how weird is that? I mean, just going back and just seeing how the season is formulated. I'm not sure if it's just that we've seen more running uh, offenses, like an emphasis on running the football a lot more this season. 
tight end has been one of those positions I just couldn't wrap my head around. I thought the New England Patriots tight end production between Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, I thought that was going to be at a high level for them this season. However, no, same here. Like Johnny Smith was my breakout tight end last year. He was a guy I loved, and I got that one right. Coming to this year, I'm looking at guys like Adam Troutman. I'm looking at Cole (laughs) Komet. They did absolutely nothing. Um, And it's like, look, Kyle Pitts has had over a thousand yards, and yet people are still trying to call him a bust. Like, Sorry, that's not a bust. Like your expectations might have been a little off because the guy just did everything and more you could have ever wanted. To me, it just comes down to like some of these touchdowns and some of these really fluky plays. Like, like this season, like I know when I did the rankings also, I think it finished like 16th in accuracy, but tight end was my by far my worst one. Because like for some reason, like you said, these guys that you don't expect to see coming finishes a tight end one and just completely screws up the week. That's always the tough part about fantasy lineups. And look, Tommy, oh, yeah. I, I think we share, you know, fantasy managers, frustrations alike out there. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you for tuning in to uh, Between the not between the Hatches coming up. In the mood for fantasy football here on Pro Football Network Weekly Hour 2. You know, Tommy, we have a few moments left on today's episode of the show here. I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the firings here, maybe from a fantasy perspective yeah. from some teams, right? Obviously, the Miami Dolphins make the move of firing Brian Flores, which could bode well for Tua Tungo Vailoa. It depends mm-hmm. on who they bring in as their next head coach. Do they want to keep Tua involved there? I think that's a huge question. More than likely, I think Tua is safe at this point. But let's talk yeah. about, let's say, Brian Flores. Let's throw the hypothetical out there. Goes to Chicago with Justin Fields. I think a lot will depend on which staff he puts around on the offensive side of the I ball agree. here. But, I mean, it's got to be better than what Matt Nagy did with Justin Fields, right? Can't be any worse. I mean, it really can. Like, honestly, I'm still surprised by the Dolphins move. Um, to me, that move was them strictly picking Tua Tungavailoa over Brian Flores. Uh, we heard some of the rumors, things that were coming out about there was a little, being a little bit of disagreements, people not seeing eye to eye. We know it's going between the GM, the quarter, and the QB and the coach. They chose the franchise franchise quarter uh, quarterback over top of Brian Flores, despite his record and getting him into the playoffs. And quite frankly, like I said, when they got him in the playoffs, I'm sorry, when they just got them short of the playoffs, like, this is a team that was ahead of their scheduled rebuild by at least one or two years. Like they were, and they suddenly get these expectations. It's all of a sudden Brian Flores is gone. To me, that was a question mark. I was surprised on that one. So you can't help but wonder, look, if Justin Fields gets a quarter, but gets a QB friendly coach in there alongside with Brian Flores, I can't help but be excited for him. We know the talent that he brings. One of the biggest dual threat ability quarterbacks that came into this class. And right now, like he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the NFL. We've kind of saw some flashes uh, when Matt Nagy wasn't calling the plays when it was out, when it was a, uh, um, sorry, Bill Lazor took yeah. over the play calling duties. Kind of the same thing we saw in towards the end of the 2020 season when David Montgomery really all of a sudden had this big boost in production. It came under Bill Lazor, not Matt Nagy. So if we can get a QB friendly or an offensive friendly coach in there, I think it could really unlock this team. We have someone like a Darnell Mooney, who I think is one of the up and coming uh, receivers in the NFL. I know we saw uh, some big flashes like a couple of years ago when he had that, uh, when he broke a uh, Jalen Ramsey on that little double move. Like we keep playing that highlight over and over. Uh, we saw some big games out of him, and a lot of them came with the hands of Justin Fields. Uh, you bring someone else, you have like Cole Komet, who I think could be one of the more athletic ties in the NFL. So as so long as he can kind of jump over Jimmy Graham, which kind of didn't happen this year, especially in the red zone. If he gets more of those opportunities, this is a team that does have some pieces around it. We know the defense is solid up there. So you bring in a good coach. I think Justin Fields could all of a sudden come into that low-end QB1 uh, for 2022, assuming they bring in an offensive-minded coach. Well, they could bring in Brian Dable as well. I just got the notification on my phone yeah. that the uh, Bears are also requesting to interview assistant GM uh, Showen. I forgot his name, Brian Showen, to come over as well. So, look, if that's the case, I think if he becomes the GM of the Chicago Bears, I think there's a strong appeal that maybe Brian Dable leaves to become the Bears head coach. I think and people I think are doing that because of what well. saw with Josh Allen. Like, you saw what happened with Josh Allen under yeah. Brian Dable. And then 
Justin Fields kind of fits that mold. Big, strong on quarterback who has mobility. Like you're hoping for the same thing, but I don't think you should expect similar results because exactly. Josh Allen is Josh Allen. Justin Fields should just be considered Justin Fields. Like we need to stop the comparison because quarter yes. because QBA did this with Coach Z. That doesn't mean QBB should do this with Coach Y. Like that not that's not how this works. They're two different people. So I think it becomes all that point unfair if Justin Fields does struggle in his first year with if it is this case, Brian Dable, like we should not hold the Josh Allen style of ascension and hold that over Justin Fields and then call him a bust if it's six weeks down the road and he is struggling. Like, I think that's going to be unfair, but it would not be surprised if that ended up being a narrative at some point. You know, some people say Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice to summon Beetlejuice. You know, if I say environment one time, it summons Brett Yaris, and I'm not going to say it, but I think that word does matter here in that situation here Absolutely. for a, a, a guy like Justin Fields. They need to find a guy that's going to build an offense around him, and you have to get some help on that offensive line. And obviously the uh, the question about where Allen Robinson will more than likely end up. Can you appeal another wide receiver? There's no I mean, coincidence that Josh Allen all of a sudden started to take off after they make that trade for Stephon Diggs. Who is going to be, if they do this, you bring in Brian Dable, who's going to be that Stephon Diggs addition? There's a lot of receivers out there in free agency, but you got to find the right one that's going to fit this game that can help elevate this offense to the next level alongside Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields. Mm, could we see uh, maybe Emmanuel Sanders on the move after the season or as uh, you know Brian Mahaffey points out, maybe Devontae Adams if he leaves Green Bay, but I think he's going to go wherever wherever Aaron Rodgers goes. I think they franchise tag him. They might too, which makes, I think, it very difficult. I mean, that's one of those situations too. The question would be, if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, would in fact Devonta Adams even play on the franchise tag? I mean, how many players are we seeing getting hurt now while on the franchise tag? I don't believe that's going to be the case here, but we'll see. Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin I mean, played on the franchise tag. Look what just happened to him. Like, that was the reason we were surprised when they franchise tag Allen Robinson. We didn't think he was going to show up. We thought he might have held out. He came back and played. And then did not have a good season, but it's going to decrease value. So I think when you bring when you throw in that franchise tag, there's no guarantee that this player is going to come back and play for your team. I would think that Devontae Adams might play for him. I don't know though. Like I said, it all comes down and depends on what they do with Aaron Rodgers, but they franchise tag him and he's now stuck with Jordan Love. That could be a totally different situation in Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talk about environments, and I just said the word that's going to summon Brett Yaris. But outside of that, it will be it'll be wild. I think fantasy football next season, Tommy, is going to be absolutely insane, especially with the increase in the NFL salary cap. We're gonna see guys on the move. We're gonna see teams making trades. I'm stoked to see how it I'm here for the chaos. I we am. are. Let, I mean, we're we're literally here's the match. Like somebody light it for us. We're here for it. All the excitement here at twitch.tv slash pro football network. That will wrap up our twos of in the mood for fantasy football.